On today's Stuck In, it's the moment we've all been waiting for. Ole is finally out, although, hold up, does that mean the pot is done? Not really sure what to talk about anymore. Well, I guess we'll just milk this sack as much as we can and see where it goes. A concise domestically roundup and an actual serious sad face for a retirement we didn't see coming. Plus, some solid men's college soccer and own goal of the day shouts. We've got more ground to cover than Ari Maguire's sad and embarrassing walk to the dressing room after seeing Red this weekend. So, without further ado, let's get stuck in. Farmers League Soccer Podcast. Today is Monday, November 22nd, 2021, and the inevitable has finally happened. As we all knew, it wasn't a matter of if, but when. Uh, but yes, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been given the sack by Manchester United, and the straw that broke the camel's backyard was a 4-1 embarrassment at the hands of lowly Watford. Uh, and let's be clear, it wasn't the 5-0 Liverpool game that was the actual worst loss in their history or the other utter embarrassment of being bossed like men against boys in the Derby. But either way, by hook or by crook, Ole finally found a way to get fired. Uh, and yeah, Jared, I think we need to call an emergency board meeting to decide what to do with this podcast because, yeah, I mean, we're pretty much out of content now. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, Saturday was a rough day for me watching this happen. Uh, you start with the, you know, the, the worst part is that, you know, for us, it's, it's something that we, we like having a laugh at. You're just you're you're watching the game on Saturday and, and it's you know, it's one, it's two, it's three, there's a red card, there's missed penalties and, and save penalties, and it should be worse, et cetera, et cetera. And you go, Well, this is actually it. And uh, it was a good ride. Yeah. I, I I poured a forty out in the backyard, uh, just to, you know, in, in memoriam for for the content that we no longer have access to on this podcast. Yeah, your your sadness wasn't exacerbated by like a like a home team uh loss. Right, in the we're, playoffs we're not really here to talk okay, about all right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like I said on, on the previous pod, it's almost like, you know, the, the, the SNLs and the daily shows of the world were, you know, I mean, once Trump is out of office, it's like, you got nothing to talk about. Like SNL tried to do it. They tried to make fun of Biden for a while. And then they were like, okay, this isn't working. So they just like brought Trump back on. Uh, and anyways, uh, so yeah, Jared, uh, let's just spend a couple of minutes here about this thing, because again, it was not a matter of if, but when. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, it's just like, what else is there to say? Like we, everyone just knew this guy was out of his depths, even as an interim manager, he was just there to steady the ship, which he kind of did. Right. I mean, he fixed that toxic culture or fixed it somewhat. 
that Jose Mourinho left behind. Uh, and, you know, the, the, uh, again, the, the, the supporters love him, right? There's the, the, the difference in culture now, all that good stuff that he did, a couple lucky wins here and there. Um, but the reality is, is we just knew he was out of his depth. Uh, I mean, even when he got the, the contract extension, for God's sakes, like, I don't know what the fuck that was. Uh, but, but yeah, the bottom line is we, we, we just all saw this coming and I don't know what else is there to say. Yeah, there isn't much to say. I think that, you know, it's obviously this was just was not a uh, it was there was no hot take ever from anyone saying that he was out of his depth across the board. Uh, you know, every public like, I listen to a ton of podcasts. I know you do as well. I don't think there was really anybody who ever stuck up for him and said, oh, this is going to be the guy. So now I guess really what we what we move forward to is obviously we got what Michael Carrick in charge at the minute, but they're not really sure about that. I mean, and obviously the, 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 the rot is bigger than just him. Right. Like we, we know that. And so it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, my favorite story of the day, which I have a particular shot in front of, not that it's going to happen, but I would have loved to have that happen was uh, that Steve Bruce wanted to take the job as an interim, <laughs> um, which is fantastic because he's like, I really think I can help these guys out. And like, there's like those of us that, that have lived the Steve Bruce experience are all now just like, Ooh, that would be, yeah, can we do that? Like, that would be great. Uh, yeah, sadly, right. it doesn't look like it's going to happen. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we can kind of sit on this one until we actually uh, – until they actually decide to hire somebody full-time if the Pochettino rumor ends up being true or whoever else it is, and then we can probably just continue making fun of them at that point, really. Well, right, for sure. And, and let's wait for the dust to settle, and, and the picture will become clearer then. Uh, but, yeah, th- let's just talk real quick about this post-Ole era now, I guess, or just this, like, weird – uh, period now that he's been given the sack right so Carrick's supposed to be the interim manager right and but 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 what's what is the plan what's the idea how how do they maintain the ship until they get the permanent guy how are they going to get the permanent guy like are they going to pay Pochettino's release clause you know uh to compensate him at PSG etc et like like what's going to happen now and by the way they only fired Ole and not his backroom staff so like are United saying that this is Ole's fault like I, I thought for this you would just do like a wholesale change you know so like what what is the PR here and what do we do moving forward well, I think that the, the firing is the PR and I think there's no plan. And I think the, the proof of that is even like when they, you know, character did his press conference and he was like, yeah, I kind of found out when I came to the, the, you know, came to the stadium on Sunday morning or came to the training ground on Sunday morning, I had to throw together a practice in like an hour and figure out like, oh, like, God. like, they, like right. So this isn't, this isn't even a situation where they sat down with somebody a week or two ago and said, look, you know, like, we don't want to have to make this change. We might have to make this change. If we do make this change, here's going to be what we're going to do about, this. you know, there, there doesn't seem to be a plan, not short term, nor long or, you know, nor long term. Maybe there is a long term plan that we don't know yet, but like, it doesn't seem like they really have any idea what they're doing. And, and this, exactly speaks to what i just said about the, the the really the problem being the club and not the manager which is yeah not to say that he's a great manager et cetera, et cetera, but they don't know what the hell they're doing clearly and so yeah. i don't know why other than the fact that it's manchester united and thus you know and, and the glory of managing for that club i don't know why any respecting manager really wants this job because it doesn't seem like there's a plan it doesn't seem like they have a strategy it doesn't uh I, i'm at a loss because yeah even it's radioactive. Like I, said, like, I feel like Manchester United, the biggest club in the world, like, who would want to touch it? Who would want to go near that? Because like you said, the rot goes very, very deep. And, and again, we're not saying anything new here. Like, the problems are way bigger than just the manager. So, so yeah, like, who would want to go there? Yeah, I mean, I, I, and again, Poch is the one that apparently is the name keeps coming up. Um, but again, I don't know. And, and, the, and like, there's another story also that before they did character, they were going to do Mike Phelan, except they were worried that they were going to get back. Like they're not making decisions 
based off of what is going to help the club win. That has to be numbers one, two, and three. Number four can be, hey, are the fans going to be okay with this? But right. one, two, and three has to be like, can we win games? And if you're making decisions based on fan backlash, which is, by the way, how you ended up with Folkshar in the first place, right? Because after mm-hmm. uh, Mourinho, they didn't want to hire somebody that was going to piss the fans off. This is going to keep happening. And if that means it's Carrick for five games while they figure it out, because that's what the, the fans will be okay because United legend and by and large, I guess the, as much as they wanted Ole out, they, you know, nobody ever badmouthed him as a, as a person. So aren't they just repeating the same mistake? Yeah. And it could be, and add this plot thickens, add this to the mix, right? You got Woodward, right. Who we all know, again, talking about not saying anything new, right. Is just an absolute disaster. I mean, he's been great commercially, you know, he gets the, <laughs> the best, you know, baby formula sponsors that the, the world could find, but, but is, this guy's on his way out. He's made this announcement. So is this lame duck idiot going to make the decision about the next guy too? Well, and the whole thing was they were going to try and keep Sochstar until that happened. So they didn't have exactly this problem and they weren't able to do it, which, I, I, again, to your point, makes you think that Carrick might be here uh, longer than shorter unless I suppose they get Pochettino. Right. Um, I think if, if Pochettino decides he's going to stay put, then I don't know where you go with this. And I don't know if this means you have a caretaker for the rest of the season. Does it mean you have a caretaker until you're at a Champions League? I don't know. And I don't think they know either. And And I don't. And. Again, it, it, it's, 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 a, it's a mess. Uh, it's a fun mess if you don't like United. Uh, it's got to be bang your head against the wall for if you do like United. But uh, I guess uh, we'll have to bow at sea. Yeah, just, we'll, I do not know. We will see. Yeah, fair play, fair play. Yeah, I, I'm just imagining what a training session, and, and not just the one planned an hour before, but like now moving forward, like are the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo Paul Pogba. I mean, shit could just go down the line. Are, are they going to respond to Michael Carrick? You know, like I, I get it. An interim manager is an interim manager. He's not there to be the permanent guy. He's not there to uh, work miracles or whatever. But like, dude, if you're that player and Michael Carrick is like handing down the instructions and making decisions, it's just, uh, I don't know, total disaster. But yes, we will, we will see. Uh, next topic here, uh, before we do our domestic league roundup, uh, sort of like some some actually pretty saddening news. Um, Sergio Aguero, uh, who uh, you know we've talked about before on the pod, obviously the the situation at Barca and Messi leaving and all that stuff. Um, you know there was a lot of drama and complications and everything. And then Jared, just a couple of weeks ago, you know we, we hear the this this news about like a chest problem or potentially like heart complications or whatever. But it turns out he will not be able to play football anymore because of this heart condition. And Sergio Aguero has retired from football. Yeah, this one is really sad, and and you know, not to ever speculate on anything like this because it's very difficult. But you do almost have to wonder if this is still the kind of thing where even one year ago, uh, this would have happened, and they would have figured out a way, and he would have come back. But maybe after the Christian Eriksen thing, just putting such a spotlight on this kind of thing, if that influences it. But it, it is sad because it's you know you never want a player right. to to not be able to go out on his own terms. Um, you know, whether it's uh, as bad as it may get at the end of a career, as ineffective as a player may be, you know, you, you want a player, especially a great player like Aguero, to be able to one day look at a camera and say, I retire because I've given everything I can give, et cetera, et cetera. So having this be the, the genesis of it uh, really Brutal. stinks. Um, I know, obviously, he did want to play with Messi, but I even got to feel, you know, even then, I'm sure the idea of getting to put on that Barcelona shirt and, and get a couple seasons there and, and whatever must have been appealing. And he got, what, a couple games in, really? Uh, just a mm. few minutes before it, it sucks. And and he's, I think, I don't want to say he's one of the most underrated players. I don't know that he's underrated or not, 
but it certainly seems like he is, right? And, and again, another guy lost in the the Messi, Ronaldo, uh, and even, you know, in the Premier League when Rooney was there and all these guys scoring goals, like Aguero was always there, scoring 15 goals, scoring 20 goals, winning titles. Obviously, the the, the game against uh, QPR for the title is, is the biggest one. But Dude, for you know, the rest of our there. lives, like, we He's will right. have that, that that audio man. clip in our head. And it still seems in some way he never got the credit he deserved. And and now and for this to happen, I was ask you: Do you think he's you know underrated, or, you know, or just rated accurately? But like, I mean, if you look at his stats, like dude, the, the guy is like one of the great strikers. Oh, it's amazing! It's amazing, right? And yeah, and I and that's why I said I'm not sure because I think we all recognize how great he is, and yet we don't seem to talk about him enough. And and for him not to have this this last chapter of his career kind of written to to a to a logical fitting. Uh, you know, say even beautiful conclusion. It, it, it really sucks. And he's a, you know, he's a great guy by all accounts, right? He's never been in the, really in the news for, for ill. Uh, and, it, and it blows that it just happened like this, right? Coming out in the 30th minute of a, of an October La Liga match because something doesn't seem right. And then like within two weeks, it's like, no, you shouldn't do this anymore. Uh, it, it, it breaks the heart a little bit because again, we want these guys to go out uh, on their own terms and, and this did not happen here. Yeah. And again, I'm just looking at, at some of the stats here. I mean, for, for his club uh, career, we're talking about 685 appearances, 386 goals for God's sakes. The guy's scoring, you know, more than half a goal a game and then throw Argentina in there uh, just to shade over 100 appearances and uh, 40 some odd goals for that one. I mean, yeah, just just an incredible player uh, to, to, to end it on a, on a light note. It just it reminded me of uh, a Simpsons episode very early on. I think it was like season two or three where uh, where grandpa's in the retirement home and he meets uh, like the love of his life and she ends up dying. And, and like Jasper's there as uh, and he breaks the news to him. And he's like, uh, they, they, they said uh, they said he, uh, she uh, she died of a of, of a, a burst ventricle. And grandpa's like, they might have said he died of a burst ventricle. But but I know she died of a broken heart. And I, I mean, I don't know, for some reason, like, I, I feel like, uh, it, you know, if you're going to take a lighthearted approach to it, like Aguero not getting to play with Messi at Barcelona was like the thing that broke his heart. Oh, it's yeah, it's it just sucks. Like I, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to find some no, you know, I know, silly, like, lighthearted, like you know, thing to describe it, it. And for this one, I just I can't even muster it. Like I just like it's yeah. so miserable in its way. And then yeah, uh, yes. And and by the way, I'm sure I botched the the Simpsons uh, uh, clip, but yeah, check it out, Google it, whatever. Um, but yeah, bottom line, uh, Sergio Aguero has retired. Uh, we wish him well for sure. Um, but yeah, Jared, let's move on to the domestic league roundup here. Uh, let's start with the English Premier League. A couple of games to highlight here. Uh, we'll do our Arsenal-Newcastle thing later there. So let's talk about the games that actually you know, were good and did matter. Uh, I didn't watch this one, but Burnley 3, Crystal Palace 3 was uh, apparently an absolute cracker. Well, it certainly was for 50 minutes because all six goals in this match were scored in the 49th or before. I believe it was 3-2 at halftime. Uh, and then, you know, this is one of those games where you just sit and you go, man, this thing could end like, you know, Six five, like you know, five four, five five, something like that. And if I guess for the last forty minutes, both teams decided we're going to figure out a way to to tamp this down a bit. So uh, not quite as excited at the end, but you know, I, I think it's it's cool in the, if for no other reason than I think when you talk about before the season, like, hey, can you think of like the most boring Premier League game of the season? And like Burnley, I'm sure is one of those teams, and Crystal yeah. Palace might be one, yeah. or maybe a little yeah. bit Palace a little bit less so this year, a little bit but, less. I mean, yeah. When you talk about this stereotypical nil-nil draw in the Premier League, you're thinking of a Burnley-Crystal Palace match. So the fact that these two uh, got it on for two, you know, for the two to six goals, pretty cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, th- th- this is the game that like the British pundits will talk about, you know, like, why do they keep scheduling this game at 3 p.m. on Saturday? Because like apparently there they can only get the one game, yeah. like no matter what. Right. So it's like, why do we keep scheduling Burnley Crystal Palace at 3 p.m.? Because that's like their prime time slot pretty much. But yeah, this one did not disappoint, apparently. Yeah. And again, yeah, to your point, I, I didn't can't say I watched this one, but uh you know, for various reasons, I was following along, rooting for Palace to get the victory. It did not happen. But, yeah, again, uh, the, the premiership is better if more of these types of games end 3-3 and not 0-0. Yeah, there you have it. Um, next game uh, that I highlighted here, Leicester nil, Chelsea 3. Uh, maybe Rodgers uh, had an eye on the United job, uh, you know, before this game kicked off. Or, I don't know. I, obviously, I'm joking. But, like, in seriousness, I think he may have lost the dressing room here. Like, Leicester are a shambles pretty much. Or, or maybe he's just – it's the same voice, you know, they need something fresh or, or yeah, maybe he's just lost his way with the, with the team. Yeah. This one might've run his course a bit to your point. Um, maybe he was really going for the United job and figure getting absolutely trounced at home by one of the top teams in the league was actually how to get the United job and then just and went for it. Um, no. Yeah. And this one wasn't that close. Right. And you have, you know, Conte scoring bangers and Rudiger and whatever. And, you know, good Chelsea is, is, is as good as a team that we have seen in this league this year, certainly. Um, you know, might be the best. I don't know. You know, everyone I think has probably has their own. But I mean, a, a really good Chelsea performance is as good as a good Liverpool performance. Probably as good as a good City performance. And again, when they're when these teams are on their, uh, you know, on their in their good form and on their day, like yeah. they just they make ordinarily pretty good teams look very very bad. And Chelsea certainly did that here. Yeah, any American mega mega bonerish stuff going on here? You Jared? mean that you mean that guy who might have come on and, and gotten a little 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 goal? The man yeah, in the mirror might have. Yes, the man in the mirror slotted. Uh, good for him. He's was, back. <laughs> and again, the only thing uh, that kept no, it, the only thing that kept it from being a true mega boner is his first touch on that was was quite poor, and Schmeichel should have done a hell of a lot better there. Uh, but yeah, but you know what, Jerry, we're, we're, we're not going to ruin it. We are uh, mega American boner uh, biased fans. So we're, we're, we're going to leave it. it. It was a cracker of a goal, I'm sure. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, Chelsea. Th- uh, that's that. Uh, City three, Everton nil. Uh, another three nil uh, result there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Jared, not much to say about this. Although what was better, Cancelo's outside of the foot assist to Sterling or the hammer strike from Rodri? Uh, I'm going to go with the Rodri one. If for no other reason than I've seen Cancelo playing like these kind of balls pretty much all season, maybe not to that quite that level of goodness, but I mean, he's had a number of, of pretty solid uh, to great assists. Uh, Rodri is not necessarily the type of guy you see taking that ball and, and stride like that and like absolutely hammering it like that. Uh, maybe if there's a couple, maybe if he's had a couple of those, I've just missed them, but I, I don't recall any off the top of my head. So out of the pure shock and awe of it, um, you know, you see that ball go in, without sound and your mind starts to wonder like who in cities in that like you're trying to figure out which player hits it like is that De Bruyne is that you know, like you're trying in your head you're like oh who, who the hell hit that and right, you're, right. Roger, you're like wait what like that doesn't make that's not no that doesn't make sense dude, dude and speaking of the shock and awe so my, my story this I was in between uh games we were coaching in a, in a tournament this weekend and I'm just like I'm sitting at the bar at a diner getting a late breakfast and they had the game on. Yeah, it was silent. So I couldn't hear anything. You know, you don't hear the blah, blah, blah. And yeah, when, when he hit it, I like, I audibly gasped, like, oh my word. And like, I, like I stood up a little bit out of my seat and like shrieked a little bit. And it, it, like, it was just, 
he put his foot through it and it was still rising when it hit the net. And I can only imagine it was like that. Oh, like, what did we talk about? The, the Mikel Antonio one, uh, you know, Jamaica against the U S like if you were in the stadium, it probably made that same noise. Yeah, definitely. And, and again, you just see him run off and you go, really him. And yeah, exactly. I guess, yeah. you know, it's a, and not that it's necessarily repeatable, but if, again, if we talked about these three teams that are ahead of everyone else, and if City's going to get random, like, randomly goal, you know, goals like that to pop up every here and there and everywhere, and again, it just makes them even that much more difficult because when you start counting guys that you need to watch for, uh, Rodri's so far down the list, but if he, become, if he can put himself higher up on the list, then again, it just it creates more, more headaches for everybody and, and it just makes everything more fun. Exactly. And, and if you're City, you're already that good, and like, now you have that guy hitting right. worldies like that. And not to mention their third goal. It's like, you know, it's better to be lucky than good. But like, if you're also lucky, <laughs> in addition to being good, it's like, what, like, what do you do against that? Just like a lucky bounce just falls literally to, uh, I forget who it was, uh, Silva, I think, just slotted home. But yeah, Ever- Everton looked like they were chasing shadows out there. Again, I had it on on silent at a fucking silver diner uh, up in Frederick. So uh, I don't know what they were saying about it, but they just looked like they were chasing shadows like all game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's truly a, a men against boys situation. And again, ever you know, we'd like to think that Everton is is better than that, quote unquote. But uh, there, there seems to be a lot of evidence in the contrary when they play these big teams, where it, it just seems to happen a lot. Yeah, I think I think Rafa's face at the end just said it all. He was just like, like all right, like yeah, all right, like what what do I do, man? What do I do? Um, I'm only a Champions League winning coach, but like you can't you can't polish a turd. You can't make uh, you know chicken salad out of chicken shit. All all those cliches. But anyways, um, yeah, Jared, I'm gonna leave it there for the uh, Premier League. Anything else to add, real quick? I'm good. All right, cool. Um, La Liga, I think really one game to highlight here. Uh, the beginning of the Xavi era in Barcelona uh, kicks off with a 1-0 win over Espanyol. Uh, obviously did not watch this one either, but uh, I don't know. I looked at the stats. Seems like a pretty pretty typical Barcelona, you know, possession-oriented uh, team winning, uh, you know, a game probably pretty handily, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, look, the stats kind of tell that story. But, again, the only goal is from the spot. Depay gets a penalty right after halftime. So, they, they, they haven't scored from the run of play with this one. But, uh, you know, look, it, it's the first game, as you said. Uh, he's trying to, to do a lot in a short period of time. And, and by the way, Barcelona still has a number of players that are all banged up right now. Uh, I think there's like six or seven guys who are, you know, maybe in their top 15 uh, that are uh, that are all injured and not playing right now. I mean, if you look at the lineup, there's guys that even if you are – you know, relatively speaking, knowledgeable about this stuff. There's guys playing that you've like never fucking heard of. You know, they're, yeah. They're, who they're is Elias Akhomach? Right. Who yeah, they have some guy playing right wing. He's number thirty-seven. Right. You never heard yeah. of him. He comes out after a while because he's probably not ninety minutes fit. So then number thirty-three, Abdesamad as well as Zawi. Like, like no, this yeah. isn't like. <laughs> yeah. And like you know, Gavi's on the other one, which is you know, like fine, whatever. He's young and good. We all know that. But then they have a guy, you know, Nicholas Gonzalez in midfield. Another guy that, again, like, these are just not names that you are, um, you know, you're used to seeing. And I think in the long run, obviously, this is a good thing, right? Again, this Nicholas Gonzalez, he's 19. We obviously know Gabby's, what, like 17 now tops. Uh, you yeah. know, Ilias Akamash is 17. So they win a game with three guys in the lineup that are below 20, certainly. Uh, you know, the 19-year-old, the 17-year-old, the 17-year-old. I mean, Gaze is in the starting lineup. He's, you know, pretty young as well. Uh, you know, Pedri's he's, still injured. Right. Um, yeah, Pedri's not in the lineup. And again, like, Dest isn't in the lineup. A lot of these guys aren't there. So uh, to get a win with a bunch of young guys, uh, even if we haven't heard of them and we want to poke fun at this situation, it's it's a step, right? It, it doesn't solve their problems. It doesn't mean they're 
you know, everything's, it, it's, it's okay, but you know, it's, mm. it's your home Derby. You got to beat Espanol if you're Barcelona, you have to. Um, and so you get the win uh, by hook or by crook. As you said, you dominate possession, you dominate shots. Um, you know, you're, you're, you do pretty well on the day and you take it and you move on to the next. Yeah. Uh, although even with all that youth in the lineup, uh, I think the average age was still around like 32, 33 years old, because of course, PK and Busquets. Still yeah. Busquets, starting Busquets, Busquets at 57 years old does drag the, uh, the overall total up. It's like, it's like, even like the U S thing where it's like, Oh, we have like the youngest lineup ever, but like, yeah, like it's like, you know, Stefan and Yedlin are playing and like they're 27 and like it literally drags the thing up like a year. Otherwise it'd be like, you know, like an average age of 19. It's the same thing here in reverse. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so don't worry, traveling supporters. I know you were worried about this, but some of the usual suspects still there. Although, I mean, Jared, come on, let's be serious. Like, they, they have to be phased out pretty soon. Like, I can't imagine Javi's going to let these guys stick around for much longer. I mean, you well, uh, here's the only problem with that, right, is that this is not just a new manager coming in and doing the old car. Like, these are his brothers. Like, you know, as much as you can have that in the sport. And so the onus is going to have to be on I would believe PK and Biscuits to be like, yo, we need to figure like they almost need to, to eat it themselves and not put Javi in the position where he has to tell like two guys that he's been teammates with for 15 years, essentially to like go away. So, so Jared, I get tricky. that, but I feel like it, it can go like one way or the other. And I feel like it's actually going to go the other because like, I get the whole idea, like he's played with them. He's grown, grown up with them. He's gone through everything with them. And that might make him like hesitant to remove them from the lineup or phase them out or whatever. I think it's going to go the opposite way. I think he's just going to sit down with PK over like a red wine and just be like, dude, it's time, right? Like, <laughs> how do you want to do this? Like, I, I think this is the right move. And I know you know this is the right move too. Right. But like, how do you want to do this? And, and and go in that other direction almost. No, and that, that I mean, that's true. I, I, like, again, I hope if you're, if you root for Barcelona, if you want them to be successful, you certainly hope that's how it happens. I just, you know, in these situations, it's always easy to be pretty cynical because we've seen time and time again, you know, what, it leans all over the place where guys just don't seem to have the ability to pull the trigger because of, you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, no one can ride off into the sunset anymore these days. You know, they just – they need to literally be, like, dragged into the sunset, kicking and screaming, like, at, at their lowest form. Like, I don't know. I, I'm not saying retire on top or whatever, but, like, retire – with decency like respectability <laughs> you know what i mean you don't want to be like like the like the nfl guy you know that uh whether it's insert running back here you know that was like was at the top of his game like five six years ago and then he's a backup you know two or three years ago and now he's like still he's just on like the practice squad of some team like hoping to get called up because the top three guys are you know uh, uh taking injuries or whatever i don't know does that make sense no yeah and, and you'd hope they'd be able to go and come in and say look you know we understand that this is where we are we understand that you know we we can't be counted on for 35 games and we'll you know and i, I i'd say restructure the contract except i mean they already have for for other reasons but you know it should be able to go and be like look i'm not telling you guys need to be off the team but you need to be the guy who largely stays on the bench and you'll start eight times a year uh or whatever and you know or if you know on those champions league weeks or whatever where we have a big game on the continent during the week but we're playing Olivace at home on Saturday, right. like that's where you get your game, and, or you know you come in for the last thirty minutes if we're up two one. You know, there's ways to do it, but again, you have to have the buy-in from the from the guys, the players as well, or else you know it gets dirty. Yeah, yeah, give, give them the backup keeper treatment. You get some, yeah. you know, cup ties and and lower level league 
games. Uh, exactly. Thing. You know, I, and I think, well, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that unfolds. But I, well, the Javi era has uh, started off with three points. Good for them. Uh, Barcelona is still sixth in the table, though. Real Madrid uh, flying right now in really good form. And uh, our boys, uh, Rio Vallecano, uh, or sorry, uh, actually just exited out of the tab. <laughs> who was who was in first place for a while? It was uh, uh, Sociedad is still one. Sociedad, back. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They're hanging around. Sevilla's. And it was actually a pretty pretty normal week, actually. I mean, you know, again, uh, Atletico wins, Real wins. Uh, Sevilla actually, I think, grabbed a late equalizer to get a point. Um, so you know, it was, it was a pretty stable week across Spain as a whole. Nothing, uh, nothing too right. too crazy. Yeah, sorry, I had Bebe on the mind. Uh, yes. Okay, so yeah, uh, that's it for La Liga. Let's move on to Syria. I just had one to highlight here, Jared. Uh, I guess really the big game of the weekend: uh, Inter three, Naples two. Yeah, uh, you know it's becoming one of those things where you know Italy might be stealing a little Bundesliga heat in terms of like having the best games be really fucking good. Um, and you had actually uh, not just this one, but uh, you know we'll talk about it. There's another one I do want to quickly highlight at the end, but. Uh, yeah, here's a big one, right? You got the two top, two of the top teams. Uh, obviously, Napoli for most of the season, at least, has been kind of in first place. Uh, and finally, the, for the first time this year, they actually lose. And it's really already setting up a really fun uh, kind of, um, you know, oh, like a title chase. Yeah, look, looking at the table it, it, now, like it's a, <laughs> yeah, you just want this in, in any league. You need you it, just right? Don't want, yeah, you need it for sure. Otherwise, it's like, what's the fucking point? And right now we got you know, Napoli and Milan, AC, I should say Milan, are tied at 32 points at top with identical 10, two, uh, 10 wins, two draws, one loss. Uh, Inter now four points back. So, again, you, can, you want to talk about those kind of six-point matches so early in the season. You know, Inter gets a win here to stay within four. If they don't win that game, you know, they're 11 back or whatever, and it's, it's curtains. Uh, and, and, you know, I guess it, it's good for everyone else in the league that might be trying to catch up at some point. doesn't necessarily look likely. But uh, if we have a nice little, if we can end up with a, a nice little three, maybe four horse race with Napoli, the two Milan clubs, maybe even throw Atalanta in there if they can, yeah. you know, if they can keep on, uh, it'll be fun. And, and again, as those of us who have watched this for many years and don't particularly care for Juventus, generally speaking, all that much. Um, I, I was about know, to it's, say, it's good for them not to traveling supporters, which name have we left out of here? It's Juventus. They're sitting in eighth place right now. And well, the way, they, tie for six, like mid table. Right. And and by the way, they got a big result. That, at Lazio this week, uh, Benucci, a, a penalty brace, by the way. Um, and, uh, you know, it's really interesting to see an Italian guy who just be so prolific from the spot when, you know, uh, okay. uh, no, but uh, okay. <laughs> I should also say, just as I said about how fun the, the week is, uh, it should also be said there with the actual, perhaps the, probably the best game of the week, it was actually Fiorentina four, AC Milan three, a game where a Fiorentina actually went up three, nothing in the first 60 minutes. Latan pulls two back. Uh, Fiorentina actually puts one, you know, way late to make it 4-2 and then like an own goal at the last second to make it look closer than it was. But uh, really just a very back and forth game. And, you know, obviously if, if Mon would have gotten a result there, they'd be at the top of the table right now. But Fiorentina also hanging around in that top six, top eight kind of yeah. range right now to try and, you know, and be competitive this year. So, uh, again, Italy kind of, kind of playing uh, against their normal form where you have these big games with big teams and they're actually – you know, delivering the, the, the three goal games, the five goal games, the seven goal games, and, and not just being these one nothing like horrible, boring games. And I think we've seen that quite a few times this year. So, uh, you know, maybe not a bad time to jump in and watch a little bit more. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've, I've literally never tuned into Serie A uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, but, but yeah, this might actually incentivize me to do so. I don't know. Real quick to tie the loop on, Jared. So, so Napoli just lost three to two on the weekend. They've only given up seven goals. That was basically half of the goals that they've given up this year in that one game. 
Yeah, it's uh, you know they've been uh, very, very, very good. Obviously, um, you know they have arguably the best center back in the world. Um, if you're you know depending on how you feel about Cool Bali, right? He's he's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Di Lorenzo, obviously, I, I wanted him uh, for Arsenal for years. Um, you know, and and believe it or not, this is still they're still doing this shit with David Ospina and Net. Um, and what's amazing is that he's uh, he's allowed in his eleven. I guess I would combine right with the in their thirteen league matches, right? As you said, they've only allowed seven goals. Uh, Espino only has four saves. They've allowed 11 shots on target in 13 matches, uh, according to ESPN stats. So if that is incorrect, you can take it up with them. But, I mean, literally a defense that has been so absolutely, um, you know, uh, on lockdown, really. Yeah, airtight. And, and like, and just to put that in context, where they've given up, uh, you know, maybe like 11 shots on target all season. Kua Bali has four shots on target. Mario Rui, another defender, has three shots on target. Romani, another defender, has three shots on target. And Di Lorenzo has a shot. Their defenders have as many shots on target as they've conceded. And by the way, their defenders have five goals and they've conceded seven. So literally that defense on their <laughs> own. And to say nothing of all the other guys on the, you know, on the team that have been doing, you know, been hitting off. And, and you know, Osiman is, is uh, one of the young stars, uh, Nigerian-born, who will probably show up if, if Nigeria gets to the World Cup next year. You'll see his name a lot. But they have a lot of talent up front that's doing really well, and Sinye's still doing his thing. Uh, Zelensky scoring some goals here and there. And it's just like their defense just fucking on lockdown. Yeah, it's incredible. Maybe they have like a one-for-one one policy. Like every goal that we give up, we'll just we'll score one to kind of even it up. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, we gave up a shot on target. Can we quickly get a corner kick and send uh, Koulibaly up there to like hammer one yeah. on target? To... <laughs> so, Love yeah, it. no, but I mean, it's been uh, there, you know, and, and they're, but they get the same time again, because they're scoring so many goals They're they're even though they're a lockdown defensive team, they are still enjoyable to watch. Yeah, yeah, great stuff, Jared. Uh, well, let's let's get to your wheelhouse here, uh, Bundesliga, and then we'll make a, a little shout here for the MLS, and then get to the segments. Um, but yeah, Jared, obviously the the big highlight here: uh, Bayern won, 16th place, Augsburg two, and with Dortmund winning, uh, I think the gap is close to to one point here. Uh, although, of course, we wonder if we've seen this movie before: Dortmund giving us hope, keeping it close, and then how are they going to screw this up? Yeah, I mean, look, there are a couple of wrinkles here, which could potentially change up. Now, now again, we've talked about this with Byron before, but again, this is a fluke, right? That this is a, a an eighty twenty possession game. It's a it's a you know the shots were were wildly lopsided. Uh, Augsburg, to their credit, gets the curly the, the couple early goals and steals it. Now, what's the problem here? Well, the thing is, is that right now Byron is going through a bit of a COVID issue, and uh, and in the last few weeks, it came out right. It was Kimmich in particular had come out as, as saying he wasn't vaccinated because he didn't feel, you know, he went through his whole thing. And, like, it, it, it stirred up a lot of debate in Germany. Uh, Can whole. you give us the too long, didn't read summary on that real quick? I, I mean, because apparently to... out of all the athletes, I mean, you know, Kyrie Irving <laughs> included, et cetera, you know, he has made the most compelling case for why he hasn't gotten the vaccine. Yeah, I mean, at best I can recall, again, he was just kind of like of the opinion that he just didn't feel like it had been tested enough. And and he just was before he put something in his body, he just wasn't 100 percent sure about this, et cetera, et cetera. And he, but at the same time, he also said he was going to make sure that he took every precaution he could not to get sick. He's not anti-mask. He's not doesn't think it's a hoax. Nothing like that. He just didn't feel comfortable with it and, and was going to try and do his best to not get it. Well, that didn't that didn't work out. Uh, he did uh, a bunch of Bayern players did all kind of get sick with it. Uh, I think it might've even, I don't know if it was after they report to German camp or not. It, I think it was right after. And so that, that kind of messed with the German, 
you know, the qualifiers a little bit there where they had to start isolating some guys and everything else. So as it happens, you know, they come back, they're still not hundred percent clear yet. I think Bayern had maybe like five or six guys that are currently just like not able to play right now because again, they're unvaccinated. They tested positive. They have to wait for the whole, you know, however many days Germany's asking for, and then they have to test negative and they have to go through the process. And again, Germany is very, um, very, very serious about the way they treat COVID. I believe that even in the Champions League matches coming up, uh, they have to be played behind closed doors because teams are coming in from outside the country. So they're still like at that level. And so, you know, you test positive and you're unvaccinated. This is like you're out for a little bit. And so Bayer's trying to just kind of to stem that tide until everyone can get back and they can resume their normal domination. Yeah. Sorry, though, Jared. Uh, you're saying they're short-staffed, although I'm looking at the starting lineup. Uh, and actually, the only <laughs> – it, like, who who are they really missing here? Uh, did, they not, I mean, did they actually get everyone – I read that there were five guys out. Maybe I missed, I, I, uh, I, I see Richards. Actually, the only guy that I'm surprised about is fucking Lucas Hernandez. I thought the guy was in jail, for God's sakes. Uh, but you got Upa Meccano, Pavard, Goretzka, Sabitzer, Tomas Mueller in the 10, and then Sané and Lewandowski and Gnabry. So maybe they did get everyone back. All right. I just read that they had, like, they were facing five guys out. So maybe I uh... – I was too ahead of myself on that one. Yeah, not sure. But no, seriously, at, is, isn't Lucas supposed to be in jail? Uh, yeah, they don't really do jail in Europe. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, um, no, I think they. Uh, I, I do think that he got there was something that was a suspended sentence or whatever they do, where it's like as long as you don't do anything monumentally stupid in the next X number of years, you don't really have to go. Uh, kind of deal. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah, bottom line uh, is is Augsburg two, Bayern Munich one. Uh, although you would not guess that scoreline based on every other statistic uh, in the game, especially the possession. Uh, yeah, Bayern with the, elu- the elusive. Not, we're not just talking about majority. We're not just talking about 60 or even 70, 80%. I mean, that is rare. That's very, even for a possession-oriented team, 80% of possession <laughs> and, and then lose 2-1. Jeez. Yeah, and again, the shots were 18-5, to five, corner kicks 10-1. to one. I mean, just every part of that game indicates that that's a, it's a 3 nothing, 4 nothing win. But, uh, you know, I guess, uh, you know, on their day, yeah, they yeah. had their day. There you have it. All right, uh, Jared, anything else from the Bundesliga? Hey, Dortmund won. That's fun. That's all I got. Yeah, yeah. Again, close, you know, closing the gap. It's one point now. But, oh, man, how are they going to break your heart this year, Jared? <laughs> uh, speaking of breaking hearts, and I'm very sorry to bring it up, although, to be very clear to the traveling supporters, uh, I was going to leave this out, and you asked to put it in, uh, although I guess that was more of an optics thing because you can't hype up. Yeah, I, I can't. And then I not. can't. <laughs> I can't sit here on, on, the, on the show on Friday and say, hey, watch MLS all weekend. It's going to be great. There's going to be at least one stoppage time winner, like my prediction, and then like have all that shit happen and then like pretend to not acknowledge it actually did happen. So I, I do feel it's, it's only fair that I at, least, uh, I at least take my medicine on this one. Yeah, fair play. What, what's the uh, MLS equivalent for teardrops on my guitar? Was it like actual teardrops in real life for you? I, I'm sorry, uh, it I'm was, not no, to no, fun, it, but it's like uh, no, it, it was. It wasn't far off. So yeah, like so as as I uh, I think I alluded to on Friday, you know, it was my father's birthday, so I'm in you know I'm in the house. I have the game on. I'm like pretty much ignoring everyone there. Like my uncle's on the couch with me. We're kind of watching and whatever. And then like that just happens at the end. And like you could actually, it was bizarre because before I even had a chance to react. I didn't realize how many people in the room were actually kind of watching because all of a sudden it went like silent. Um, like everyone just like <laughs> kind of like stopped making noise for like 30 seconds. And like, I, it was just one of those things, just like my head just went right into my hand. It was just like, you know, just one of those things, uh, not like that in case you're, you're unawares. Um, 
the latest ever goal in MLS history was in the Philly Red Bulls match. Uh, Jacob Glesnes, who is a center back by like trade, but is a uh, Golazo score by like reputation. Uh, who like he, he's the guy if you've seen uh, any of the last two seasons those random Philadelphia that clip from two years goals. ago where he hit there's one free kick yeah, from like 25 yards out it's right insane. he had one this and he had one this year too so like he randomly has only scored like four goals for Philly but like all four of them have been like absolutely like top-notch like world-class like bangers uh you know uh, a clearance did not get out far enough chested down and just like side like have volleyed at upper 90 like no chance and and just I mean rotary uh, won the game at the death, uh, ripped the heart out of uh, the Red Bulls, uh, ripped my heart out and just took a big steaming shit all over it. And uh, yeah, after mm. that, I did not, um, did not, uh, I followed MLS for the rest of the weekend. I can't say I watched any more of it because I was literally just too like sad, uh, but uh, I should, it should be said. Kansas City uh, also got a win uh, on Saturday, 3-1 against Vancouver, New York City, 2-0 Atlanta. And yeah, Zuzi, by the way, I banger in that one as well. You should check out his goal. And Portland, a 3-1 winner over Minnesota. And by the way, uh, fandom aside, this is exactly what you'd want from the one-and-done playoffs where the home teams are getting the result. Because, again, that kind of justifies the idea that you should really be playing for, um, you know, trying to play, you know, not just be settling for sixth place or fifth place where yeah. really getting those home games matters. Uh, and I should also say, lastly, on MLS is uh, today, Matt Turner named goalkeeper of the year. Not that there was probably a hell of a lot of doubt in that. Uh, and Ricardo Pepe was named the uh, Young Player of the Year Award winner over the weekend as well. So uh, so there's some U.S. national team crossover with that. But, yeah, uh, just a devastating loss. But like I said, I got to face the medicine because surely if they won, I'd be – that we would have let off with that. So it's only fair. Mm. Fair play, Jared. Well, I thank you for, uh, you know, for doing that. I, I know that took a lot for you. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, let's let's uh, let's just go ahead and close the chapter on that. Uh, I don't think we'll have to talk about I mean, unless something big comes up in MLS, you know, we, we don't have to talk about that anymore uh, moving forward. But uh, either way, that will do it for the domestic league roundup. Uh, that'll do it for topics as well. Let's go on to a couple of segments here uh, first. <laughs> To bring it back, well, uh, maybe a little bit more sadness here. It definitely for me, um, first segment of the day, how we feel about being Arsenal and Newcastle supporters today. Uh, I, I, again, coaching all weekend, out on the field, 14 hours each day. So no chance on watching these, but checked out the highlights uh, and obviously saw all the alerts and the, the reports and everything. You know, we got waxed by Liverpool. They're just a better side. Uh, again, Arsenal are coming into their own. We're still a couple points off of Champions League places, all that good stuff or whatever. But, yep, just outclassed, it appears, uh, by Liverpool. So I'm still feeling okay, I guess. Uh, actually, the, the funniest thing uh, that came out of this, I, I finally looked up the, the, the clip. Apparently, like, Arteta, you know, had a, had a little spat with Klopp on the sideline there. Uh, and I was like, Oh man, it must've been something big. Like Arteta never gets worked up about anything, but like, dude, it was like literally nothing. Like Mane just went up for a header uh, against, you know, one of our players and uh, like, it, it was probably a foul. It was, it wasn't a, you know, but it, it was just nothing. Uh, and, and he just, I mean, he like loses his shit. He starts like screaming over at Klopp. Uh, the, the referee literally has to like all the assistant coaches have to separate them. The referee has to come over. He books both of them. I, I don't know what Klopp did in the whole thing. Maybe he, you know, said a said a bad word or something. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, bottom line is like he just got really really worked up uh, for nothing. Maybe it's just frustration from being completely outplayed and outclassed in the game. Um, but, but but yeah, but the only thing about it is that this but that happened at zero zero and like the goal started right after and I'm you know correlation causation the whole thing. But you know there are like there is some 
maybe thought that for whatever reason that, you know, Arteta getting all pissed off and Klopp responding kind of woke Liverpool up a little bit and, and they went on from there. I don't really, I, I mean, I, I think it's probably not, you know, that simple. Like these guys are like professionals and stuff and that shouldn't be the thing. Uh, but yeah, it was just very interesting how it all kind of unfolded. Uh, I, I think I, you have to agree with you though. I, I, you know, the four nothing loss looks a lot, you know, looks horrible and, and obviously you're outplayed. But, I mean, you're on the road at Anfield. I don't think you're expecting to get a result, uh, despite your fifth-place position. Yeah, maybe. yeah. No, L-O, it's, L-O, it's a tough Waller, one. L-O-L. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what did they – uh, who was the old NBA coach? Was it, like, Don Nelson who would, like, literally – like, he, like purposefully fucking lose his shit and get kicked out of the game to, uh, like – inspire his team to like and it worked it was like the nelson effect wasn't it like an actual thing like nelly yeah i don't remember if it was him or not but i like it look it's another like it's not it happens all the time or popovich i think i think pop does that too yeah probably i mean even like look at i mean and no college ref has the fucking stones to do it but like it's what shashevsky does whenever like duke's not getting a call he fucking just loses his fucking shit and like you know he throws a little hissy fit on the sideline and yells at the refs (laughs) and does whatever he does and then all of a sudden everything changes so i mean uh, yeah, maybe that's, you know, maybe Klopp just kind of decided that if he responded in kind, it might wake his boys up. I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting thing. But again, it looks the optics of it aren't particularly good when you when you lose your mind like that. If you're attentive, then your team gets absolutely uh, annihilated shortly thereafter. Yeah, yeah. Not a great look. Uh, but yeah, I'm still feeling OK. I'm still feeling OK about Arsenal. Jared, how are you feeling about Newcastle today? Well, um <laughs> I think the, the, the weekend started with an ominous tone when it found out that how Eddie Howe would not be on the sideline uh, as he tested positive for COVID, which is always how you want to start a, a tenure. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it's, you know, we, we've talked a lot about um, the, whole, the whole procedure and how I feel about this whole thing. Uh, if you can try and just, just keep it to what's happening actually on the field. Um, you know, it's actually nice to be in a Premier League match where we have more possession and more shots and more shots on target and, you know, actually, like, to some level, maybe even outplay the opposition uh, to give up three goals and not win does suck. But I guess if we're going to be absolutely terrible and be bottom of the table, uh, it, better to do it while drawing, like, 3-3 than 0-0, I suppose. I mean, at least on that sense, the, the game is, you know, has some entertainment value to it. Uh, so I guess that's where I, you know, kind of stand right now on it. Okay, very good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as if you guys had uh, nothing else going on off the field uh, to distract from the, the, the on-field stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, literally, like COVID first <laughs> first game. Yeah, no, good, um, good job, good yeah. job, good effort. Good, yeah, <laughs> love it. All right, uh, so that's how we're feeling about being Arsenal and Newcastle supporters today. Uh, next segment: get the sack or a pat on the back. Uh, obviously, we talked plenty about the biggest uh, sack of the day. Um, but yeah, Jared, who's your uh, get the sack pat on the back? Yeah, uh, for my pat on the back, I you know this is probably a not for long situation, but I do got to give a tip of the hat to Dean Smith. Uh, taking over at Norwich, right? He's out of a job for all of, like eight seconds. Uh, gets yeah. hired again as another like, cannon fodder uh, relegation team, and gets a win in his first match over Southampton. And uh, you know, again, they're out of the bottom now. Newcastle is is currently bottom of the table. And again, I don't know that I expect Norwich to ever get out of this and and to you know save themselves this year. And again, I I think that there's going to be a lot more bad than good. But uh, you know, good for Dean Smith, you know, landing on his feet immediately and, and at least for one day, getting to be on top of the world at Norwich. Yeah, good for him, man. Holy shit. And, I, and that, that speaks volumes about a manager like him. This isn't the guy that gets gets the sack and then it's like, you never hear from him again. Or, you know, like after the season, it's like, you know, he pops up somewhere else. 
or whatever. This is a guy who was like in demand and uh, Narch got him straight away. And boom, look at that immediate uh, manager boost, I guess, new manager bump. I guess so. And so again, I, I guess I, you know, I, I look, I want, I wish him well. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like if I could, if I could pick three teams to go down, it's like, they're not any team that's actually going to go down. So it's not like I want Norwich to get out more than, you know, a Burnley or a Watford or anything like that. But I'd right. you know, be kind of curious to see if you can save them. All right. Who gets the sack, Jared? So this is actually a, a post sacking because this guy has already actually quit, uh, but it's just, the story's too absurd not to at least uh, bring up. Uh, his name is Marcus Anfang, and he was, up until about Friday, the coach of Werder Bremen in the Bundesliga 2. And he actually resigned the job uh, because uh, there's an investigation as to whether or not he had supplied a fake COVID vaccination card to a German, uh, whether it be the league or the authorities. Uh, but my favorite part about this was really icing on top is that he absolutely maintained that like it was a real vaccination card and he actually was vaccinated. But due to the distraction it was causing, he had to quit anyway, which is just one of those like, hmm. Really, really. So you actually were vaccinated, but the distraction of it is too much and you need to quit. That, that little, little sus there. Either way, he's out of a job already. But, uh, you know, I am resacking him, even though he's already quit, especially if he actually did give a fax, that fake vaccination card. Yeah, a lot of that going around, Jared. I mean, in American gridiron football, I mean, you just like I, I, this is a crime, isn't it? Right. Like it's an actual federal crime. No, it's, it's, it's a federal offense if you if you get, actually get caught with it. So it's I mean, I don't know what they're what the laws are in Germany. But again, as we spoke to earlier, uh, Germany takes this shit pretty fucking seriously. Oh, yeah. So so I would imagine if um, if that, you know, if, if this turns out to be the case and he actually did fake <laughs> a vaccination, then, then I would assume he'd be in quite a bit of trouble. Yeah, Germany takes it very seriously. I mean, the, you're, you're talking about a country and a culture where, like, if someone jaywalks, like, everyone on the street will, like, actually jeer at them and tell them to stop. Uh, I've, Citiz- I've actually citizens, citizens arrest. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, yeah. And I think for a fake vaccine uh, passport card, like, you know, Angela Merkel herself, like, comes over and just, like, paddles you uh, and, and spanks you like a bad boy. Uh, but, yeah, anyways, um, I don't know. Bad joke. Whatever. I don't care. Uh, my get the sack pat on the back is, um, well, I'm going to give the sack to, like I said, I, I was coaching all weekend. Uh, and uh, this rival club that shall not be named, uh, nor the specific coach uh, themselves, gets the sack uh, for me. Uh, one of our teams made it to the final, one of the, the premier tournaments in the country uh, this weekend. And we went up against uh, the side who is very good, very talented, uh, a lot of excellent, excellent players. Um, but they just, they, I mean, Jared, they literally play kickball in every sense of the word. And, and yeah, they get away with it against most teams because they're just bigger, stronger, faster, all that stuff. But, you know, you just have to feel bad for these kids because they're just not being developed at all. Uh, I can only imagine what a training session is like for those kids. It's literally just long ball contests pretty much. Um, and, and it sucks because like when they are trying to make it to the next level, uh, they just don't have the skill set that you need uh, in order to succeed at that next level. Uh, so, yeah, for me, I'm giving the sack to uh, that coach that shall not be named. Uh, and quite frankly, that whole club who plays the same way. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. We just we take player development very seriously, like at our club. And, and clearly they don't. Uh, and I'm sure you have nothing to say about that <laughs> because you have no idea what I'm talking about. And no one has any idea what I'm talking about. But uh, but yeah, that's who I'm giving the sack. I, to. Know, it, I, I must say I must say I do almost in a, in a weird fucked up way. Um, respect that. Um, the idea that. Uh, you know, he's, what are we going, 1995 American soccer trail. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and, and, and look, Jared, let me be clear here. It, it, I'm not criticizing or think it, taking a holier-than-thou position on one style over another. Like, 
dude, a style is a style is a style. I, I hated it when Hope Solo called, you know, Sweden cowards. I don't think that, you know, Pep should look down on, on teams that don't play possession. I mean, remember the crazy boys with Leeds back in the, what was it, 80s? You know, it, it's, it's like, if, 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 if you have a certain set of personnel uh, who have a certain set of skills, et cetera, et cetera, and like, I don't know, like that, that's what works for you. Okay, go for it, I guess. I'm just saying, at the youth level like you're trying to develop these players and that is not developing them and that's doing a disservice to them so i don't know i just feel bad there but anyways um our pat on the back uh, my pat on the back rather is going to be uh i don't know i don't know maybe it's very uh euro or uh, uh anglo-centric but uh go to back to the premier league i think steven gerrard uh, just did, you know, he's, he's filled in straight away. Good for him. Got a result with Aston Villa uh, first round. And look, I, this is a guy who uh, obviously, you know, club legend at Liverpool, uh, his career speaks for itself, all that good stuff or whatever. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. It can go either way when it comes to these players who just don't really do their coaching badges. They don't, they, they've never really had that much experience or coaching education. Uh, and he's done really well, obviously, you know, winning the league with Rangers and, um, you know, and, and now moving on to the Premier League and, and getting a result straight away. So I, I guess good for him. Good for Stevie G. Actually, uh, on uh, one of the podcasts, I think it might have been Gavin Jules, Jules Moran actually told a really cool story about Gerard that I'll, that I'll share just very quickly, where he pretty much said that, you know, they were, uh, when he was doing TV studio work after he retired, uh, on a Champions League day, Jules was watching actually like PSG's, like the, uh, the youth Champions League, I don't know if they're like under 19s or under 21s or whatever they are, and uh, Gerard was like, you know, kind of like sat and watched part of the game with him, was asking him questions about a couple of the players, and, yeah. like, two weeks later, he saw him again for the next round of Champions League matches. And Gerard was like, yo, I have, like, 50 questions for you. And just started asking all these questions about these guys that he had watched because he had actually, like, watched these guys play for PSG's youth team that had gone off on his own and spent, like, hours just, like, scouting them and looking at video and, like, trying to learn about them so he could, like, you know, intelligently even talk about them. And so I think that, uh, you know, and the point of Jules' story was to say, like, he has a work ethic that I think is going to make him successful as a right. whole. Now, is this going to be one, you know, is this too soon for him? I don't, I don't think so. I think he can probably do it, but I, I think he has the mentality that even if he doesn't have necessarily the same level of, uh, you know, experience, and as you said, uh, hopefully he can at least, uh, you know, kind of cut into some of that by being so, you know, ruthlessly like into the idea of like video scouting and then all that stuff that you have to go along with it. Yeah, exactly. It, no, he seems like a good one and, and, and good on him. I'll, I'll tell my very quick story, actually, uh, a couple of years back when I was still, with that technical training company that I started, uh, you know, we, we, we visited the UK. Uh, we, we had come in contact with the actual director of scouting for Everton. Uh, fantastic guy. His name's John Doolin. Uh, you know, he's still there. Uh, you know, <laughs> they, they've changed over like three, four, five managers in his time. But yes, he is, he is still there. And it was very, very cool to meet him. And, and he hosted us. Uh, and it was a fantastic experience. Um, and one of the things that he got us access to was a, uh, a U18 Academy game at Finch Farm, which is the Everton uh, training ground uh, in Liverpool. And it, it, of course, was the Liverpool uh, derby between the Liverpool U18s and the Everton U18s. And that's when Steven Gerrard was still, uh, he was the U18 Academy coach um, at Liverpool. And um, it was just so cool to like see him up in person. It's one of those, I mean, it's basically like a practice field, you know, with right. one little, uh, you know, hundred person stand uh, type of thing just for the scouts. 
and all that. And I was going into it and I'm going to give a quick hat tip to, to my boy, Jeff, one of the traveling supporters who listens. Uh, and I was I, like, I had the plan going into it, you know, as he was walking off, I was going to get a quick video, you know, just be like, Hey, you know, Steven, Mr. Gerard, like uh, my buddy is the biggest fan. Can you just say real quick, like happy birthday, Jeff, like, you know, my phone, get like a three second clip. Only problem was at the end of the game, uh, Liverpool lost like one nil at the death and you could just, and Stevie just walked off with fucking steam coming out of his ears. So I'm like, literally the last thing he probably wants right now yeah, is some fanboy, fanboy, like American, random American dude, like asking him for a three second audio clip. So I left that one there, but I guess it's the thought that matters. Uh, but yeah, anyways, uh, we've talked enough about Steven Gerrard. Pat on the back to you, buddy. Um, if uh, if I'm able to talk with Dr. Manuel Rodero later today, uh, you will hear from him in the next segment, uh, the Liga uh, check-in review with Dr. Manuel Rodero. Uh, but if not, you're going to continue hearing me talk right now. Uh, all right, boom, there you have it. Uh, our next segment, uh, Jared, well, let's, let's enjoy this for a little bit here. Uh, the Random College Soccer Shout, which is now becoming a mainstay and probably will leave as quickly as it, as it arrived uh, because the tournament is already almost over. Uh, but some, like, hilarious results here uh, and some good results for your, your Demon Deeks uh, in the NCAA Men's Soccer Tournament. Can we start it off with that tweet that you sent, which was hilarious? Uh, Penn State, you're, by the way, your Big Ten champions, you know, one of the top uh, conferences in men's soccer, uh, Penn State beating Indiana in the final. You think they're poised for, for a, a tournament run. Uh, Penn State two, Hofstra eight. Can we start there, Jared? Yeah, and I mean, it, it, you know, in, in Penn State's defense, if you take out that 8 nothing run to begin the game, they did score the last two. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, like, like I, you would ask me, you're like, oh, my God, like, can you even guess the score? And, and I was half right. I said, I don't know, like, what, they, like, what, lost by six? You know, yeah. I, like I was more thinking like six nothing, but like, yeah, I mean, uh, early and often, and and like really just scored in the third minute, then just kept scoring and scored some more and kept scoring some more, and then like after halftime scored some more, and then it's like eight nothing, like with like twenty minutes to go, and you're just like, oh, okay, well, like fair enough. Uh, yeah, you know, Penn yeah. State not having their strongest season of all time, only seeded twelfth, but nonetheless, you know, again, Hofstra had to play that first round game against Lipscomb at home uh, on you know on three days rest, head out to to Pennsylvania. I guess the team that they are, you know, uh, certainly not favored to beat and just uh, a, res a shocking result, as you said. Um, I, you know, again, like not much to say about it other than that. It's just it, you don't expect to see that. I mean, I can't even even I can't remember the last time I eight. saw somebody put up eight in the, in the NCAA tournament. And there are and there are often some like, you know, some some kind of missed talent, you know, in terms of talent, some some pretty. Yeah, mismatches. It happens all the time. It happens occasionally. To the tune but... of eight, too. No, I haven't seen eight in a while. I mean, I even remember like back in the good Wake Maryland days where we each had teams that would send 20 fucking guys to MLS or Europe. Like there would, we wouldn't be putting eight up on teams. So uh, just really, I guess, a, a, a bizarre confluence of events and, and yeah. A hilarious I'm just trying, just trying, just trying to think. Like as the coach, like what do you say after that? Just like literally, you just tell them to pack their bags up and like you know. I'll see I mean, and and season. for college, it's even worse, right? Because you you know, Penn State obviously has seniors, some number yeah. of seniors on that team yeah. that are never going to play again, and that's how it goes out. It just it's miserable. Uh, Hofstra will now uh, try and do the uh, the Western Pennsylvania double uh, next week against uh, when they go to uh, Pittsburgh, uh, the number five seed, to see if they can carry on that magic in. Uh, and what was supposed to, which is actually a region that is actually just all ACC and then Hofstra right now, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was the tweet real quick? It was like, it was from the Penn state men's soccer account. And they were just like, 
Gold pops tell, for yeah. a comma. We are not we're, counting the like score we're not put, Yeah, we're not putting the score up anymore. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, that is – we – you. I think you have seen where this is going. Uh, yeah. We're done. Yeah, yeah. Once it got to – Six two, you know, you could pretty much figure it out. All right. Um. Anyways, right. Yeah. We'll see if they do that. Pittsburgh, a good side this year, though. Uh. So, that'll be a much tougher test, I think. Uh. Go ahead, Jared. Talk about. Go ahead and 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 beam and glow about your demon deeks. No, good result going down to Miami, as we talked about. Florida International again. If you're going to place a seat, uh, face a seated team, uh, you can do far worse. Uh, I, you know, obviously than that. Uh, I guess you could also do better and play Penn State, but uh, nonetheless, uh. Yeah, a back-and-forth game. Wake wins 3-2 at Florida uh, International. Um, say uh, took a early lead, won nothing, gave up a goal before halftime, and then actually got a second goal shortly after halftime. I'm sorry, shortly before halftime. Uh, gave up a goal to go 2-2, and then 20 seconds later got the game winner, as it turns out, uh, in the second half uh, to, to get the third goal. Held on from there. And, uh yeah, a couple of big saves down the stretch, uh, but they're moving on. They will face Notre Dame. As I said, this is a little region with uh, the same actual region as Pitt and Hofstra. So now Wake will play another ACC team. Uh, so, again, I guess if you're going to be the underdog, better to face a team that you always have some familiarity with. Uh, you know, uh, they actually did not play during the regular season, it looks like. So it'll be the first time they played this year. Uh, but, yeah, I guess if uh, Wake can beat a couple ACC teams and they can get to a uh, magical Final Four run, college cup run i guess i should say and uh, we'll see from there yeah fair play yeah another tough test uh notre dame uh, i don't even know how they are this year i've just become so disconnected with ac well, they're, 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 they're seated they're seated, seated fourth, fourth obviously uh they're uh 13 five and three it looks like uh really interesting where they've kind of had like one of those teams that has been like a lot higher in one poll than another so there's kind of some level of uh, disagreement, shall we say, over how good they actually are. I think in one of the polls, they're like 20. In another poll, they're nine, seated fourth. Like it's, it's So it's very bizarre. Uh, but they have been, uh, you know, won their last uh, – four of their last five games, won a game in penalties as well. Uh, they've won the ACC tournament, uh, which I guess is why they have such a high seed. Uh, but, mm. yeah, so it could go either way, I guess. Well, I belong to the cult of live from Ludwig. Uh, I give a hat tip to Adam Kubark in the last uh, podcast. Uh, I just, I, I think his, his ranking system is the best and it has Notre Dame as eight. So yeah, it's, it's pretty appropriate. I would say maybe a little ACC boost there. Who knows? Um, but then, yeah, the last shout that I'll make about uh, college soccer is, uh, as we said, uh, my Maryland lost in the first round. Uh, by the way, Jared, I don't know if you saw the clip of the goal, um, but just like incredible it was like totally a college soccer goal, totally like the walk-off thing. Uh, I mean, the guy just slotted from like 35 yards out uh, towards the sideline. Just, it, it, it was it, it was that combination. It was a totally whipped in ball, right? So it was that combination of height and power with the curve. Uh, and, and he just curled it perfectly uh, around the goalkeeper. And by the way, that was with like two minutes to go. So we were fucking sunk. Uh, but anyways, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, but yes, of course, this was the typical example of kind of blowing your load in that game uh, and then getting waxed in the next round. St. Louis five, Long Island one. St. Louis uh, goes on to play play Duke in the next round. But again, remember, Sasha, North Macedonia are in the playoffs for the World Cup. So uh, you still have that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll hold on to that very, very close to his heart when through the disappointment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I know. I'm trying to find some way to... Aswash the damage here. Uh, but anyways, um, yes, I think that does it pretty much for the random college soccer shout. Yeah, no, I'm good. Cool. Awesome. Uh, and then last but not least, 
uh, the own goal of the day. Uh, we'll finish out the segments with that. Of course, Jared, as your gracious host, I'll allow you to go first. Yeah, I got to go to uh, the English FA on this one. Um, I'm not even going to give oxygen to the specific person who uh, was responsible, but essentially like one of these head of the, uh, I don't know if it was the head of the FA or one of these FA guys in England was doing some interview about how, uh, you know, uh, how the, the, the Qatari government has done such a really good job helping the migrants now. And there were some problems before, but now, you know, they're looking a lot better. And we went over there and we interviewed the, the, the workers and everyone's happy. And, you know, they really made great strides and like, you know, we talk about sports washing and, you know, we, and there was a story last week about how England qualified, how I think it was, uh, who was it? Connor Cody, I believe it was that kind of said the thing. It was, Hey, we've qualified now. Now we need to figure out like what we're going to do about this. Like we talked about the Denmark thing where they're going to replacing ads on their practice jerseys, et cetera, and so on and so forth. And then you have like a head of like, you know, a guy in an FA, like one of the biggest, you know, the biggest FA in the world, probably right. Coming out and be like, yeah, it's all good. Like they're making great state, like good strides. And, yeah, people have their passports. It's great. It's like, oh god, like we're already in the uh, in the dramatic like sports washing of you know where the countries all at the end of right. the day like all just bend over and take it because they don't want the, to deal with the drama. And uh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, it's it's like taking the stand is just not worth it. Almost. Yeah. So yeah, good on you, England FA, for for standing up for those people that are being murdered. Yeah, good job. Uh, although can't say I'm that shocked. I am not shocked either about my own goal today. Uh, and actually, I'm almost having uh, fucking deja vu here, Jared. Uh, Dimitri Payet has been hit by a water bottle again. Actually, again, almost like I, I thought I thought I was taking fucking crazy pills, like seeing maybe seeing the same highlight uh, yet again and thinking it was something. No, it, it was actually uh, once again, Dimitri Payet playing for uh, – for Marseille against Le- uh, Lyon, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, he just goes over to the corner to take a corner kick. And what do you know? Missile, projectile from the stands. Uh, and it was like, it's like a half bottle of water. And I look, I, I know he, he falls over and he probably makes a little bit of a meal of it. Um, I, and I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But dude, you can get hurt by that stuff. You know, th- this wasn't like, this isn't like a rock or, or like a fucking sock full of quarters or anything. But like, dude, if that hits you in the wrong way, and, and I'm not even trying to like give any sort of excuse or say that one thing is better than the other. But like, dude, you can fucking really get hurt by these things. And there is absolutely no place in the game for it. The behavior is inexcusable, yet it has happened again. Now, I guess the only thing that was not deja vu about this, right, Jared, was uh, the supporters did not literally storm the field afterwards, uh, as far as I know. Uh, but the referee took both teams off. They said it was going to be uh, – it, it was actually going to be resumed. Uh, but the the Lyon players obviously came out. Um, but the Marseille players were just like, dude, fuck this. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, so I, I believe the game has been postponed, right? Yeah, yeah. And I guess it will probably go through the same disciplinary situation as has happened before, whether it be replayed or not to be, dis- to, uh, you know, to be determined. But uh, look, they're, they're really reaching the breaking point here, like where – this is a league right now that has had some financial troubles outside of PSG, obviously, where, you know, they've had problems with their TV contracts. COVID hit them harder than everyone else. Remember, they didn't start the season again. They were the only major European league that, like, did not go back after the – in the first COVID week, uh, year. Uh, they just ended their season. And now this has been going on. We've talked about this, God, five, six, seven times. And yeah. I don't know what the answer is because, you know, uh, it's easy to say we need to, like, just close all the fucking stadiums. Just – close them all and then like just close them up except again there's there's such a financial uh impact to this 
that, I mean, I really do believe at this point, you just, I mean, like, I don't even know how many points it should be at this point, but like, you know, like how you have, you can have like, oh, you have your first strike, your second strike and your third strike. At this point, it should just be a league wide strike system. Like we've yeah. now had like seven, no, but like you, we've had like six, seven strikes and I don't care which club does it next. I don't care if it's the first time your club has acted up. Each penalty is going to be greater than the one before it. I don't care if it's nine points out, 15 points out, 100,000 euro, a million euro, whatever you have to do to keep escalating it. I don't care if like everyone in the fucking league has negative points by May. Like it does not matter. Like you have to do something at this point because I mean, beyond the fact that, again, there's the, there's the safety issues, of course, but you're like, you're a fucking joke and you're not going to get a TV contract like this. You're not going to get any, uh, you know, positive standing on the world stage. I, I think Leon's in whichever European competition I think they're in um, as it is. And I think they were actually supposed to play a home game this week. And I think they might've even already closed. Like they're already saying like starting like, or like, I don't know if it's just league matches, whatever it is like, they're already like, we're, you're not having fans at all until we figure out what to do with right. this for Leon. But then what happens when Bordeaux does it? Or what happens if, you know, uh, what Claremont foot does like, if he, if, Yeah. What, so Jeff, what you're well, proposing is almost time. like, a, it, yeah, it's, it's almost like, um, like in, in risk, like if there are any board game fans out there, like in risk, when you turn in a set, uh, how the token moves up. So when a person turns in a set, it's not like everyone starts where they get four new troops. And then the next time you turn in your second set, you know, you get six. It's like the token moves up. So whoever turns in a set of cards, wherever the right. token is, that's how many troops you get. So like the, the punishment increases. It doesn't matter like who did the last one. It's like, here's the token. It's now gone from a hundred thousand to a million euro. It's now gone from 1 million euro to 10 million euro. It's now gone from one game to three games. And like wherever the token is, that's what your punishment is pretty much. Exactly. And on top of that, for right now, I would probably ban all road fans from every stadium because you, you people have said, you know, oh, well, what if uh, the road fan does it and tries to get the home team in trouble? You know what? No road fans for right now. Don't fucking need them because part of this shit is because fight fans are fighting yeah. each other. And so it's like you get rid of road fans, period. And then if this shit happens, like, you know what? Uh, we own should get 10 points deducted right now. And you know what? If next week it's Stroudsburg and they get 15 and if Angers is the week after that, it's 20. I don't care. Like, yeah. you, like there's, I don't want to hear, well, we haven't done it yet. And by the way, we own, this is not their first trip around this particular pony. Like, you know, with this pony, like it, it, it's this, it's, it's outrageous. It's, it's, I don't even yeah. know, but like, it has to be at this point, it needs to be so comprehensively again, devastating that yeah. nobody else even wants to mess with it. Agreed. And as we've said before, there is definitely something in the wine in France. Uh, and, and I have to make this clear just in case we don't get Dr. Manuel Andrew Rodero on the horn this afternoon. Uh, but yeah, if, if my my emails are correct, I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine league uh, games played this weekend and one, two, three, four, five red cards uh, in those games. So more than half of the games having red cards, fans throwing shit yet again at players. It's like, dude, what is going on in France? No, there it's, it's fucking insane all around. I don't even know what to do with it. Yeah, neither do I. Neither do I. Uh, but yes, we've mentioned it before. We've said it before uh, and again, and we're going to say it before and again and in the future. And uh, but Jared, as always, let's end the pod on a positive note here. We're going to wrap up with a couple of stoppage time winners. Uh, I will go ahead and go first uh, to tie it back into the youth soccer shout that I made uh, earlier. 
uh, yes, one of our teams, I think I've mentioned before about how we're in this like MLS Next League and, you know, it's basically the new U.S. Uh, Development Academy, et cetera, et cetera. Top level of, 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 uh, of youth soccer, uh, skill-wise, coaching-wise, all that stuff. Uh, it's just a great environment to be in. Uh, and this past weekend was the boys weekend at the Bethesda Showcase, which is pretty much up there with like Disney and, you know, the Dallas Cup and, and all those top uh, events in the country. Uh, and yes, our 2008 boys, uh, so that would be the, U, uh, the U14s, the uh, got an incredible result uh, against that team that I uh, threw shade at and, and subtweeted uh, pretty obviously uh, in the final. And one uh, nil win, uh, soccer wins on that day. Uh, it, it, I could show you the stats. I mean, it's like 70% it's like possession. You know, it's all that good stuff, pass strings and everything. Uh, and yeah, just super, super proud of the boys uh, to, to really... Um, yeah, put themselves on display. It is a showcase after all uh, in, in this tournament. So uh, a big up to them, a big up to, uh, to our head coach, Will Hanna, uh, who's, you know, just done a, done a fantastic job with them this year. And uh, yeah, we got to lift, we, we didn't get to lift a trophy. We got to lift a plaque, I guess maybe, you know, uh, maybe funds are really tight with Bethesda this year. They even made us bring our own match balls. And of course I'm speaking very tongue in cheek because Bethesda is one of the richest cities in the country. This is like one of the biggest tournaments that you pay thousands of dollars for. And they literally forced us to bring our own match balls. Uh, the, the refs were like, okay, you know, and, and well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll stop rallying on them there. Uh, but the bottom line is we did not get a trophy. We got a nice little plaque uh, to lift. Uh, and I'm just, I'm super proud of the boys. They kept their cool. There was actually, there was even one, horror challenge i mean one of their players truly went in it was it was straight out of pepe's playbook uh and our guys kept their cool they were collected they were calm uh and they let their football do the talking one nil asa mls next 2008 congrats to you guys so when are you getting the united job <laughs> well i mean i do a better job than ole that is for sure although uh, a bunch of the guys on the short list i don't know probably uh not as good uh, my CV is not as long, uh, but, but yes, I probably would do a better job at United for God's sake. And, and you know, the Dutch national team, we've you know talked about that before. Uh, I don't know. Why am I not in high demand here? Why am I not on any of these short lists, Jared? With, with all seems, these incredible results here. Seems obvious to me, but again, I'm just a lowly Newcastle fan. <laughs> fair play. Fair play. All right. Uh, what's your stoppage time winner, Jared? Uh, I will do a quick self-correction first. I will say about the Bayern thing. Uh, one of their staff members tested positive after the game on Saturday. And now four more players will be joining Kimmich in isolation and will not be in the Champions ah, League. Gotcha. That is Gnabry, Musiela, uh, Chupo Motang, and Croissant are all now in a mandatory 10-day quarantine, uh, ISO quarantine. Yeah, what are they going to well. do without Chupo Motang? Yeah, I don't know. He's the, cha- he's the If you need a guy to get a goal against Kia, then actually Chupo Motang might be the guy. Um, <laughs> Uh, I will say uh, my stoppage time winner will be the Washington Spirit. Uh, they have won the NWSL championship 2-1 win over Chicago this weekend. Kelly O'Hara, the uh, game winner in stop it, in uh, extra time, I should say, 97th minute. Uh, the assist to Trinity Rodman. Yes, that Rodman. Uh, yes. If you're not familiar with her story, you should definitely look that up. But um, good on them anyway. And obviously they are one of the teams this year that we have talked routinely about uh, with the obviously the, the, the massive scandal and, and all that good stuff. Uh, having said, you know, their coach uh, was dismissed. Uh, they still have an ownership fight going on where like the one owner is like trying to sell, but kind of, but not really. Uh, you know, we've obviously talked about that some previous um, shows, but nonetheless, they still get in the playoffs. They still do their thing. They fight through it together as a team. 
get the two one win and uh you know obviously a deserved win for them and a really cool story again given everything that has gone on with that week that they were able to have a classic championship game right a two one extra time a uh, good game good solid uh back and forth fun uh, fun match to watch if you catch the highlights of that you know very fun uh and again good for the league on you know to have such a good kind of ending to what was obviously such a, a traumatic season and and hopefully that this is the first page uh, you know, in the next chapter that is going to be full of uh, positivity and, and growth as we continue to to make sure that this game stays safe and, and great for all. Yes, absolutely, Jared. Great shout there on the Washington Spirit. Uh, a, a, a personal uh, note on this one. Obviously, this is my local uh, women's team uh, playing out of the D.C. area. Uh, but also, very fun fact, um, there's a uh, one of the Washington Spirit players. She's actually the president of uh, the players union. And obviously, you know, she's taking the lead on a lot of this um, stuff that has been going on off of the field. Uh, her name is Tori Huster uh, on the Washington Spirit. And uh, actually, a couple of years ago, when I got that, uh, when I took the, uh, the all girls uh, high school coaching job, uh, I was a varsity head coach at a school called the Academy of the Holy Cross. We were about to go to, uh, to playoffs in my first year. Uh, and I took a page out of uh, the book from the, the, the coach that I was, I was under at DeMatha. We, we always got, you know, someone uh, like a big name or like did like a fun thing, like before the playoffs to, to, to you know, give the players a boost type of thing. Uh, the coach's name was Dapith Evans. And um, yeah, just like standard, you know, man management stuff and uh, boosting the guys and everything. And, and yeah, so I just I, like I reached out. I actually originally reached out to uh to kelly o'hara but uh her agent was like oh so is this going to be a pro bono thing oh yeah no we can't swing this uh so so i went to someone who was a little bit further down uh the depth chart and yeah they ended up hooking me up with with her uh and fair play to her uh to rise through the ranks she was becoming uh, you know she was like a regular starter for the spirit uh and rose all the way up the ranks to uh, the president of the the players union um, and yeah, just, I just Googled like her tweets and, and this, that, and the other thing. And she's over the moon and, uh, just really, really happy for, for her and for the Washington spirit. So yeah. And, great shout, and I did one more shout in, uh, 2021 NWSL goalie of the year, Aubrey Bledsoe, and also Bailey Feist, another champion there, there are a wake forest team and Deacon love there. So a couple of deeks getting on the, uh, getting their names on the trophy for the Washington spirit. So good under them specifically though, obviously it's for everyone, you know, happy for all of them, but always got to take that deke love when I can get it. Yeah, no, good stuff. Good stuff, man. And, and by the way, I don't even know if I made myself clear. I, I, I brought her out to like a training session before the playoffs. That, that was the, the, the big boost. That was the big thing to have her come out. Uh, but anyways, just confirming, we're all good. Uh, yeah, Jared, uh, I think that's, that's about it for the podcast today, man. You've been super generous with your time, and, and I really appreciate the traveling supporters for taking the time to listen. So, uh, yeah, no marketing, no social media. So if you're mildly entertained, please tell a friend and uh, spread the love. I would say to everyone, Godspeed. Bye, con Dios, and cheers, y'all. Bye-bye. <laughs> That's a very, uh, the Red Bulls just lost in the playoffs. Bye-bye. Yeah, it was a fucking, Saturday just fucking sucked. <laughs> sorry, dude. Uh, also, sorry, because I'm probably going to leave this in the pod here. This part? Yes. <laughs> oh, then, well, if that's the case, tell all your traveling supporters that we intend to fucking record on Thanksgiving Day and give them that holiday content that they will so desire when their families are done pissing them off. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. And preferably after, you know, we've scarfed down some turkey. So we get the, the old tryptophan effect and we'll be even we should, more we, loopy. And I mean, I'm, I'm guessing we should, we should probably do it in the morning, but that's just me. Yeah, I have I have a standing uh, invitation for a uh, a turkey turkey bowl football game <laughs> on, on on those mornings. 
Uh, no, just kidding. We're old men. We should not be tackling each other anymore. And plus, we all live in different parts of the country at this point. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I'll all leave right. that in. And yeah, actual goodbye. See you, bye, everyone. Right. Bye-bye. Yep, bye. He's our striker. He's on fire. Ooh, hot. Harder than Mitrovic. Scoring goals home and away. He's playing from the ticks and he's on fire. Grand talk was a catastrophe. He just wouldn't go away. Oh, and then Will Drake turned it round. Cost us one million pound. Whoa, I said Will Grigg turned it round. Cost us one million pounds. Will Grigg is on fire. Come on now. Will Grigg is on fire.